You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Today, we have an interview with Talia Wimet. She is a guest who has been on before, and we had such a fun conversation. We tend to go on a lot of tangents, but we enjoy that. And I think that you might enjoy it too, because it's a nice, natural, fun, entertaining conversation about dating, about relationships, and there's some good banter. And I believe that me and her see eye to eye. Not that I need to have people on here who see eye to eye. Have you have you been listening lately? You've been seeing I've been having some females on who we have not seen eye to eye. And there has been some debates and there's been some disagreements. But either way, I think it's fun either way. Whether we agree or not agree, it's always good to have a conversation and learn and understand and just be able to see different perspectives. But anyway, Tali and I have a very similar perspective and you're going to be finding that out here on this episode. We talk about how to not give up on the dating game. I've broached this topic many times before, but we're talking about it in a little bit of a different way. And we go on many tangents, so it's not just about how to not give up and stay focused, but also some areas of relationships, of once you get into relationships and how to look for a great relationship. And the reason why that's all connected is because people do tend to give up on trying to go out there and meet women when they're not finding someone who's a good match. And you're going to hear me say this and hear Talia say this. We say that they're not a quality women. So we actually teach you on this episode how to take some steps to be able to do that and then how to look at this in a way so it keeps you going and you don't get too discouraged from not finding that quality woman so fast. I really think that you're going to like it. I want to quickly thank anyone who has given the five-star rating on Spotify. You can do that now. They just came out with ratings. So I see those. I appreciate those. And they help spread the podcast to more people and get men help. I hope that you want to help as many men as I do. And if you do, That'd be awesome if you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify. You can also leave a five-star rating on iTunes if this has helped you. And you can even leave a comment. And like I said, I read all the comments. I wonder if they're ever going to have comments on Spotify. I wonder if they'll ever have comments on episodes. As you know, I complain about this quite a bit, that you can't have any comments on any episodes. The biggest podcasting portals, so to speak, in the world are Apple and Spotify. And you can't comment on it like you can comment on a video. Every one of these social media platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, you can all comment. You can like, you can, well, you can share on everything, but you can't do any kind of socializing around episodes. When are they going to do that? I'll basically complain about this about every 20 episodes, as you've heard me say before. Anyway, five-star ratings are appreciated. And Just do that if you've gotten something from the podcast and it's helped you. That's awesome. If you need help finding a quality woman, let's say that you are not finding the women out there, or maybe you're scared to approach, or you're doing online dating, but it's just so disastrous and you're not getting any matches, you can always get help with the TripAdvice coaching program. I have two options currently, a mastermind where you're joined with other guys and a one-on-one program where you're getting either coached by myself or one of the coaches here at TripAdvice. And we'd be honored to help you. All you have to do is fill out an application, and you can do that at coachedbytrip.com. I'm about to end a 
long journey with a client who has worked with me for several months and we got him a girlfriend and she's going to be moving in, not yet, but in a few months from now. He's been dating her for just a little under a year and we helped him get that girlfriend. So yes, he did work with me for a long time. But what's funny is it didn't take him a full year to get a girlfriend. He actually got a girlfriend in like, I don't know, eight weeks maybe? Just shy of three months, he got a girlfriend and he's still with her and they're in love and she's moving in and he's a single dad and she has met his kids and that has gone fantastic. And we've gone over how to structure an amazing relationship. Just incredible what we've been able to do with him. And also I should say, I'm not gonna make or give you any details of of him because everything's confidential, but I'll say he lives in a city that is very cold and he was able to approach that woman in a mask, by the way, freezing cold, cold approach, no pun intended. And that was the girl who ended up being his girlfriend. And she explained to him that one of the reasons why she liked him, such a simple reason, one of the reasons why she liked him, something I teach in my TED formula, is that he gave really good eye contact. And that showed a lot of confidence and she was able to connect with him. So look at that. That is one of many success stories. If you want to be a success story, go to coachedbytrip.com and I can help you, guide you. My team can help you, guide you with the dating apps, with meeting women in person. We will help you. We stop at nothing. We care about every single one of you guys. We don't just throw you in a program and forget about you. We walk you through, help you, and we're there for you the whole time to make sure that you get results. And also just understand that you're going to be working not even half as hard, not even a quarter as hard, like 5% is hard doing this on your own. So meaning if you were going to do this on your own, it would be a lot harder, but the coaching program makes it easy. So let's get your results. Let's change your life. Coachedbytrip.com. Now let's get to my interview with Talia. We're talking about how to stay focused and not give up on the dating game. Hello, Talia. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Does anyone ever call you Thalia? <laughs> they Thalia? do. And then <laughs> Thalia, Talia. I've heard it all, honestly. Yeah. Okay. But it's just Talia. Mm-hmm. But I know that because you've been here on the podcast before. This is your second time. I should send out badges for people. Like if they've been on twice or five times, like they do on Saturday Night Live, they get jackets and then posted five times. And, <laughs> and now uh, I want a jacket. <laughs> and now you want to do, well, you got to get five times. We'll say okay. we'll get, we'll give you the jacket at five times, but we have you back here. We had a great conversation and I think we both don't really remember what we talked about last time. Maybe I could have listened to it before this, but I do know we're going to talk a little bit about, I think we're going to expand on something that we do realize we did talk about last time. So we know a little bit of what we talked about this idea of how to stay focused and not give up and not feel so overwhelmed or I don't think overwhelms the word. I think frustrated by the dating process. And we're going to get into that today and we're going to chat about that. But before that, just remind the guys if they haven't heard of you or listened to our last episode from a year ago, please tell us who you are, what you do, why you're qualified, all that good stuff. Sure. So my name is Talia Wiemet. And I run a prestigious matchmaking company based in Manhattan, and we are in the works of moving our headquarters to Miami, but I also do dating coaching. 
So you and I have a lot of similar perspectives on what it looks like to be dating right now and what's considered good, what's considered bad and how to approach it correctly. So yes. Yes, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me too. So who do you coach more? Do you think men or women? Do people come to you for coaching and not matchmaking? Rarely, rarely, but yes, here's the thing with matchmaking. I don't actually believe in matchmaking without the coaching piece. There has to be that middle person that, you know, gives feedback on both ends, right? And that can coach, okay, well, this is what you did on the first date. This is what we could work on. And these are the things that you did great on. So with matchmaking, I have to do the coaching regardless. In an off chance where I do have a client comes to me specifically that just wants a little bit of guidance. They actually have a great network. They're meeting a ton of people through work. They just need someone to help navigate, you know, what's considered the new norm in dating these days. When you say new norm... What do you compare that to? What would be the new norm versus, I don't know, 10 years ago, let's say? Well, the dating apps. I mean, we didn't even have those, I don't think, 10 years ago. And, you know, pre-COVID, I think a lot of people got off on their game for a year. Like they just weren't dating as much. If not, at least those first six months, a lot of people didn't date at all. So people are getting back into it and they just need a little, little reminders. Yeah, it's interesting how... I've said this before, but it still blows my mind that dating, it was so weird and creepy to meet people online. And now it feels like in about 20 years from the inception of online dating, I think, well, online dating, I technically started in the early to mid nineties, but then it started to really catch on in the early millennium. But even then, there were a lot of people doing it. It was weird and almost creepy to do it online dating then. And now it feels like people think, wow, I actually met this person IRL, right? In real life. And it's weird how that switched, how it's like, whoa, you didn't meet online? What's your story? Yeah, a hundred percent. I hear people getting excited about people meeting organically or even meeting people through friends, right? And comparison to a lot of others are meeting through Bumble or Hinge. Yeah. It's just it's just crazy how much it's it's switched. But you've experienced when you're doing your matchmaking, when you're doing your coaching, you've experienced people that have some dating fatigue. Yes, for sure. There's definitely some people that and not just with my clients, but also just within my circle of friends, people that have gotten exhausted and just think, okay, you know, I'm not getting the results I want. And I just keep reminding them it's a numbers game. The more you put yourself out there, whether that's through online dating, whether you're on two different apps, or if you're just leveraging your network and you're constantly out socializing, you know, you have to put yourself out there. And when you get bogged down, just remind yourself, it just takes that one person. You're not looking for 10. You're just looking for that one person. Did you steal that from me? I did not. No, it's funny because I just started saying that. I know you didn't. Um, I'm just teasing. But I I just started saying that and helping Mm. people realize like whether you're in this for a relationship or you just want to have sex and have casual relationships, the numbers of conversion don't need to be high. Let's just say you're looking for casual relationships and you want to sleep with like 100 women, which is quite a bit, right? Even that, that's 100. That's not a high number. So 
all these women that you're approaching that you're getting either, well, you won't be getting matched for casual relationships, but <laughs> you're doing online dating, you're, you're meeting in person. It's a very low number. So, and I, I say that just how you just said it, right? It's like, you don't need to get discouraged because you're only looking for a small number. Now let's go to where most people are looking for relationships or they're looking for relationships eventually. That number is, I mean, let's worst case you get divorced like three times. Okay. That's, that's a high number, but let's just say worst case. That's still just three people. Yeah. That's three people at the very worst case. You're most likely not going to be getting divorced three times. So then we say, statistically, if you're not likely to get divorced three times, then you're looking for one or two people. That's nothing. That's all you That's need. nothing. I know. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you're doing it right and you don't have to do it more than, you don't have to <laughs> get married more than one time. <laughs> well, if you're coaching with one of us, then that should never happen. That is true. So let's hear that. What do you say? First, let me ask it. Do you coach men or women more? Or so, help help match more women or more men? So, great question. I only work with men. Oh, you in do? A, mm-hmm. In the oh, rare, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, so, I don't do matchmaking for women. And the only reason that is because I worked for the largest matchmaking agency in the Southeast. And I worked with men, women, everybody. Anyone that you can think of. And when I started my own company two years ago, I decided to pick a niche. And found my lane. And I was like, this is where I thrive. I thrive working with men and I understand that they need a female's perspective. And it just made sense. So it's just like one of those situations where, you know, if you really need, you know, the extra support, I can give that female. And just like you, you've also been saying, oh, you can give a male perspective, which is great. But I just thought it was valuable. And I said, you know what? Not a lot of people are doing this. I'm going to pick a niche and work with men. Cool. So Mm -hmm. you're helping the men get matched. Okay, well, this is great when I'm even more excited about this conversation. Because if you're working with men, then you're hearing and this podcast is for men, then you're hearing from these men, stories of fatigue, overwhelm, frustrated. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So what are you hearing? What are they saying to you? I think that they're saying that there's not enough great quality girls out there. I'm hearing that a lot. Well, they're, you know, quality, da, da, da. And now that's my coaching clients. Don't get me wrong. When they're matchmaking with me, they meet quality girls. But I'm just saying like my clients that are coaching or that don't want to do matchmaking for whatever reason, or even just friends, my network are like, okay, I'm having a hard time meeting quality girls. And I think that's the mindset that they just need to shift out of because the more you say things like that, the more you're attracting it, right? So that's the law of attraction. And then you have to start telling yourself, no, there's a ton of quality people and I'm going to meet those quality people, those quality girls, the non-party girls, the girls that don't black out every weekend, you know, whatever that looks like for you. I think what we need to teach the people is that let's try to teach guys to not use the word quality anymore. I, this is, this is, this is a new thing I've been, I've been thinking about of of course, that's the word people are using because that's the only thing they can think of. Like, I want to meet a quality man. I want to meet a quality woman. Like the guys I coach, when we do our initial call, they, that's what they say. They want a quality woman. And so what I want to express on this podcast is let's take out the word quality and let's be more specific. Like what is quality? Because what's quality to one person isn't quality to another person. And I think that if you have specific things in mind, like law of attraction style, which is kind of what you 
said a little bit ago. If you have things in mind that you're looking for that mean quality, but you understand them specifically in your head, then you'll be on the lookout for those things. Mm. And in a way, it's not like you'll necessarily attract them, but you'll be aware of them. And then you might think, oh, this woman is potentially quality. I don't know. I'm just saying it's another way of looking at it, like getting specific. So do you ever get specific with your guys? Like I have my three non-negotiables system that I teach guys of of the three things they should be looking for. Do you have, have anything similar to that? Yeah, for sure. And also think of this. If you are looking for someone, like a missing person, and you don't have the description, how are you going to find them? I like that. It's the yeah. same concept. So you have to have a list to some capacity, whether it's really long or really small, you have to have those, like you said, three non-negotiables. I usually, I tell my clients 10 things, 10 things. What is the most important things for you? And the non-negotiables, you know, I have some clients that don't drink. They drink COVID. They decide they don't need it anymore. And I'm like, okay, well then finding that person that has a similar lifestyle, that's important. So let's remember that. Or if I have someone who's really active, I have clients that work out six days a week, I remind them that should be a non-negotiable. That should be something that's covered on the first date. If they're not active at all, then she's not the right fit for them. Yeah, that's good. I I have a lot of clients who use that as a non-negotiable. It's like physically active or physically fit. I think that's a great one. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great one. I don't want to put that into, into guys' ears where they should have it, but I recommend it. It feels like you want someone, well, if they're physically fit, they're going to probably be more attractive, right? Just bottom line. If they're physically fit, they're going to be more healthy. And you're going to have a happier person, which is going to make you happier. If they're physically fit, they're going to live longer. <laughs> so if you're in love with someone and want to marry them, hopefully you want to live a long time with them, right? So so it is, it is a great non-negotiable to have. Another one that I teach guys to have and I do put a lot of pressure on guys having this one, is the kids thing. Oh, what's a kids thing? The kids thing is, do you want kids? Do you not want kids? Either answer should be one of your non-negotiables. So the non-negotiable is she really wants kids and really wants to be a mom or she doesn't at all. Mm. And that is up to you whether you want kids or not, but whatever your decision is, that should be one of your non-negotiables because that's a really big one. Could you imagine if you wanted kids and you were dating someone and it was going amazing and then date five, six, seven, or maybe you're in a relationship and she's like, yeah, I'm not really, I mean, I guess I'm interested in that. I guess I'll have kids one day, but I'm not really that interested in it. Like, ugh, that's a disaster. You guys probably will break up or she'll be a terrible mother because she doesn't really want to be and maybe that's not her plan. So mm-hmm. it's something to be discussed. What do you think? Absolutely. I even go one step further with the kids thing. And okay. I think religion is really important because if you take a diehard Christian, right? And a very, like, let's just say Orthodox Jewish person who they fall in love and they just don't discuss how you want to raise the kids later down the road okay, we, one person wants to raise the kids Jewish, the other person wants to raise them Christian with Christian values and all that. And then you have a big problem, right? I think that a lot of people are just kind of dating, not intentionally and not talking about these things. Because when you get into a relationship and then you really fall in love, it gets a lot harder to break away from that person when you realize you guys aren't a match. 
Totally. Have I told you about the book Eight Dates yet? No, tell me what's it oh, about. Oh man, you got to get this. And everyone who's listening, I highly recommend it as well. It's a book called Eight Dates. Came out a couple of years ago. It's from John Gottman. You know John Gottman? Mm-hmm. Okay, so big researcher in the marriage and dating field and relationships. And he has through all of his research, well, he's pretty uh, amazing man. He figured, he can figure out if two people, based on a conversation that the two people have, by witnessing a conversation between them, he can tell whether or not with like 90% accuracy if they're going to get divorced or not, based on data. So he knows a lot about interactions between couples and relationships. And he wrote a book called Eight Dates based around eight conversations that are the most important conversations that he doesn't say this, but I say this, that inevitably will come up in your relationship. That's kind of the most important thing is it will inevitably come up that you'll talk about these eight different topics. And so the book is about you having conversations around these topics. It's a workbook. You can use it when you first start dating someone and get into a relationship, all the way to refreshing your marriage and you've been married for 40 years. So it's for anyone in a relationship with your partner to have a date that you guys sit down and discuss, maybe with an activity involved or something, but more importantly, sitting down and discussing the topic at hand. So the topics are about money, sex, religion, family, passions, all the things that that might come up on a first date or while you're doing the beginning of dating. But as you just said, there's some that don't come up naturally, right? Maybe you guys just don't talk about the fact that you want to raise your kids a certain way and then it comes up way too late and then you're in trouble. So the book is really cool to do with your partner. I did it with with my partner and nice. and it was it's, it's very eye-opening to hear what the other person thinks about the topic. And it's not just like, hey, you guys sit down and talk about money. It's like they give you questions to ask each other and then you answer them. It gets pretty deep and you really get to know someone. So. No, for sure. It's cool. I even think that the five love languages, I know it's ancient, but I, it's actually not that ancient, but I think it's such a great book for couples to read together and to figure out what, how they receive love and how they give love. Because oftentimes it doesn't match on that note, but once you know the other person's love language, then you're able to more so accommodate that. Yeah, totally, totally. Why don't you give a brief description of what the love languages are? So for people sure. who don't know what that is. <laughs> so the book, The Five Love Languages, it basically talks about how there's five of them. There's physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and what's the fifth one? Um, gifts, quality that, time. That was the fifth one. That was the fifth one. Yeah. Gifts. Gifts. So. Mm-hmm. Clearly and that's not your love language or you would have remembered that. No, that's the funny part. That is my love language. Oh, that's really? why I'm laughing right now. Yeah. That's why I'm like smiling so big on the camera. I'm like, okay, how did I forget that one? Those are five really interesting ones. And I actually had a client say to me, I cook for her every dinner, da, 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 da. And he's like, I'm doing all these things. And I just don't think she appreciates me. I don't think she's. And what we ended up figuring out was that those acts of service, you know, someone cooking them dinner is not how she receives love. She's all words of affirmation. So all she needs to hear is, I love you so much. You're so beautiful, whatever it is. And her love jar is completely full. And so that's where there is a disconnect. And he felt 
that, you know, he wasn't being appreciated. And she felt like she's not like her partner's not loving her enough, you know? So, so I cool. think it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and they actually ended up getting married. So I think that was the small disconnect. Got it. Isn't that interesting? I love these little practical things that people can use. You know, what's funny is I remember before we started this conversation, I wanted to talk about relationships and you did not. And look where we are. So <laughs> let's, let's get back to the topic at hand sure. for, for your sakes. I know you're having a terrible time right now talking about relationships. No, I'm just, I'm just what? kidding. I'm just kidding. So let's go back. We're talking about your coaching guys and they come to you. They're frustrated. All oh, right. We were talking. I remember how we got off on the tangent is we were talking about non-negotiables, quality women. And so you're saying that their complaint is that they're not finding quality women. And have you ever had a guy just say like, I'm done, I just give up? No, no. Now, have I heard someone who's a friend of mine say that? Yes. And then I said, well, you should just do matchmaking with me. <laughs> I'm like, You'll meet a ton of quality girls within my network if you just work with me. But it's always tricky working with friends. So, but yes, I have heard people within my network say that. And I just have to remind them that, it's a numbers game. You just have to keep getting out there. Yeah, that it might just not be that quick. I think that we're just, obviously, you know, we live in a society now where we want things so quick. Even myself, I am guilty of it. Like I will be lazy to reach out to customer service for any product or something that I've purchased because I'm just so frustrated. I don't, I'm not going to get an answer back in time. It's not rational at all. Like for example, like I just contacted customer service about a supplement because it was like lost in the post office or something. It's not being delivered. And I was like, I don't even want to contact them. Like they're just going to get back to me and it's going to take a couple of days. What's funny is I was like, what am I doing? Just contact them. And they got back to me within an hour. My point is, is we want things now and we want things fast. And I think that we get discouraged, especially I feel like people get even more discouraged when they are using the advice, when they're working with a coach it almost hits them harder, like it's a harder hit to their ego when they can't get results because they're like, oh, I'm doing the things. You know what I mean? It's like frustrating. It's like, I'm doing the things. I'm getting matched. Like you're a matchmaker, you're matching guys up. I'm getting matched. Mm-hmm. I'm going out there, I'm approaching. It's not working. I can, even my brother right now, he's 40 years old. He spent most of his time not focused on finding a relationship because he was focused on getting his doctorate and that took up most of his mental bandwidth. So he never took dating seriously until now. And I'm like, dude, you're 40 and you want kids. You got to get going. So with enough convincing, even though his brother, which is me, is a dating coach who teaches this stuff. You're my brother. I'm going to give you all the information and coach you for free. Like, let's do this. So he finally is doing it and he's not discouraged. He's doing great. But there was points where he was like, this is so annoying. Like these girls aren't quality and all this. Mm. I'm like, what do you expect that you're going to finally do the right things and your dream girl is going to show up in six weeks? Like, no, like you might be doing this for a couple of years. I hope not. That's a kind of a long time. You should be able to find someone if you're that active within, I would imagine at least a year, but it could take that amount of time. What do you think? I think it's a lot of it is also timing. So if you're putting a lot of effort into this and you have a dating coach and you're doing exactly what your dating coach is saying, then you should get the results within a reasonable time frame. But yes. with that being said, 
you know, you are looking for that one person. So you also have to consider maybe that person that's meant for you that, you know, with divine timing and everything, maybe she's actually not ready for it yet. So that's why it's taking an extra six months to get there, you know, because your paths have to cross at the right time. Which is why you need a lot of volume. Right. Right. You need a lot of volume because if you're not getting the volume, well, then, I mean, obviously it's just going to take longer. Mm-hmm. So sure. that is, that's the biggest thing. For sure. So yeah, it, it, you're right. With a dating coach, it will go faster. That's why we do what we do. And that's why it's valuable. And on your own, it could take longer. But I still do believe that you're right. Paths have to cross. So it takes a little bit of time. You get the volume in and you do your best and you hope for the best. But this is also the reason why I teach guys the three non-negotiables. Because if you had 10 non-negotiables, that gets really tough, right? It's like, then it's like you're trying to find a unicorn. I think a unicorn would be more so 40 non-negotiables. I think 10 is pretty reasonable, especially if they're very light, right? They're not anything too extreme. You know, if you say like, oh, she has to be blonde with blue eyes with freckles on her nose, and she has to have this very extroverted personality. If we get really detailed, that's where it gets tricky. But if you have things that are simple and there's only 10, things like honesty, loyalty has a good community, whether that's friends, family, those things, you know, pretty basic. I think we actually, yeah, I think we agree on this. I guess mm-hmm. I call those defaults. Mm. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like almost as if like, if she doesn't have those, I would just consider that a red flag. Sure. So if she's a shitty person or she's <laughs> like, I don't know, you said she's not honest, right? So she's not an honest person or she treats the waiter terribly. Mm. She doesn't have friends. She seems like a mess. Can we talk about the friends? Do we? I actually think that someone who doesn't have a lot of friends or who doesn't have any friends, that's a red flag. Yes, I agree. Okay. I agree. So if a guy said to me, okay, so one of the non-negotiables, I want her to have a lot of friends. I would say, don't even waste a non-negotiable on that. That's a default. Like she should have that. Any woman you meet should have friends. She doesn't need to have 50 friends, but she has to have a couple of good friends. And so why do you think that's a red flag to not have friends? Mm, Because it shows inconsistency. If you can't hold a friendship for at least three to five years, then there's something going on here. You know, there's a lack of consistency. I think it's actually really valuable when a guy says to me or to someone says, yeah, no, this is my friend of 10 plus years. Like we've known each other. That's a good thing. It shows timeline. It shows that you've put in the work and you're able to get through hardships with that friendship. It shows consistency and it shows loyalty as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like, it's shady. Like if Mm -hmm. she doesn't have friends, it's like, is there something about you? Like, I, I don't know. I've never really even met any women that don't have friends like it's rare and therefore it feels very abnormal but can we talk about this there's a difference between meeting a woman who has friends but they met last week oh like a new friend if it's all new friends and there's nothing you know there's no friends of three four five ten years that's alarming yeah like even if they just moved to that city it's like where are your friends from your previous city Like, it's okay if you don't have friends in that city, reasonable, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you're not talking to your couple friends from home. 
what's mm-hmm. what's going on there you know one of my exes she had friends one thing that she would do though is i would notice in her life that she would very easily break the friendship with someone who was very close to them so she always had friends but she like didn't talk to her parents for a while and she broke up with her best friend it was very disturbing to see that because i didn't even understand why they were it's like you get in fights that's normal but to really just call off the friendship anyway that was a bit of a red flag but but yeah i also think i'm gonna go a little deeper here my opinion of of not having friends if you don't have them i can't imagine that your life is as optimized and happy as it could be even people say like no i'm an introvert i love being alone it's like but there's a difference between being introverted and being alone versus you don't have any friends in your life and i think that if you get into a relationship with someone who doesn't have any friends and doesn't have like an outlet besides you i think you you potentially might be stuck with someone who's going to be unhappy or dependent that puts right. a lot of pressure on the relationship because you know actually i had a client who was doing long distance and you know they decide to move to the other country and that all of a sudden that's putting a lot of pressure and this happens like and you make it work you figure it out but it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship because then you have to be their partner and their best friend and all these other things you're playing a lot of roles until that person's able to get acclimated and so it's tough it's too much it's too much we're talking about relationships again here we are <laughs> You can't, you just, Here we you, are. You just can't get away from it. My girlfriend has a friend. Well, she's got many friends, but uh, she has this one friend. I just love their friendship. Like, I love when they hang out. I love when they get together. It, like, makes me genuinely happy. This one friend of hers, they're, like, workout friends. So they're always doing classes together, trying new classes, doing new things. She just seems like such a positive influence on her life. And funny enough, I don't really know that friend that much. Like she doesn't come and hang around much. I've only met her a few times. But from those times, I just get a lot of positive energy. And I don't don't know. It's just interesting. I just like that. And I think that's really cool to have that when you're just like, loving the friends or respecting the friends that your partner has. And that makes oh, you sure. happy, you know? Oh, for sure. I've had a client tell me she's great, but her circle of friends, I just can't get on board with it. It's it's a deal breaker for me. And I'm like, okay, well, talk me through this. How bad are they? And he was describing the situation. And I said, okay, you know, I agree with you. If they're a constant bad influence, that is a red flag. And so for anyone listening to this, you know, if you're dating, getting to know someone, realize who they surround themselves with. If it's a bunch of people, a lot of women that are a good influence on the person that you're trying to see, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's interesting too, because I try not to get too picky with all the non-negotiables and everything. Because then again, it gets too unicorny. But it's like, with that one, you can even say, you're going to see the influence. So I would put more of the fault on her than the friends, right? The bad influence is stemming from her friends, but I'm curious, what is that influence causing? Is she a big partier? Is she drinking a lot? Now it could be because of her friends, but really it's just like 
wherever it comes from, it comes from, that's her, mm-hmm. you know? So I say really pay attention to not how she's being affected, but just who she is as a person, just to make it simpler. You know, it's For like, sure. but yeah, I agree. Bad friends can do that to somebody. They can, I always say that self-esteem the formula for self-esteem is keeping the promises that you make to yourself plus your peer group. So if you have a really awesome peer group, you're going to feel better about yourself and better about life in general. And you'll be doing the activities to make yourself feel better about yourself. Like if you have crappy friends, you're just going to feel crappy. Mm-hmm. So back to the topic. Overwhelm, frustration. So what is something else that you tell guys who are working with you, who are feeling frustrated by the process? You know. Impatient men. Right. Well, we can talk about patience. I think patience is a good one. But also to just stay true to who you are and keep up with that confidence. You know, even if you go on a couple of these dates and you get bogged down, remind yourself of who you are and say your affirmations and have confidence that it will all work out in the end. It's just one person. So if the timing's a little bit off and energetically you feel like you're just not quite meeting that person and you're trying all the right things, take a step back and remind yourself, it's okay. You're going to get there when it's meant to be and maybe get some more guy time in, get some more, whatever makes you feel good, whether that's, you know, going to play sports or, you know, get a massage focus on those things so that it doesn't really bog you down. Because when you get really bogged down and you bring that bad energy into a date, you're not helping yourself in any way. Yeah. And so it's really important to go into it with the right mindset because energies transfer. And you can, as women, like I know if I'm on a date with someone and they're bad energy, I immediately pick it up and it's, it's a turnoff. So you want to make sure you're always in the right mindset going into it. And if you're not there, then cancel the date then just know that you need a week or you mean maybe you just need a day. I love this advice. That's really, really good advice. I think that to sort of piggyback off of what you're saying, it's like, I believe that your goals should be to, hold on, I got to plug in my computer now. Now my computer's going to die. Okay, I didn't have to be so dramatic about it. I can just bend over and got it. Okay, editor, we can keep that in. That's fine. This is fun. So, so funny. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So I believe in habits over goals. So better to create habits in your life that then lead to the results that you're looking for instead of just focusing on goals all the time. So it's okay to have your goals. Obviously, your goals are going to be, okay, I want to find an amazing quality woman or your goal is to lose 50 pounds. And those are great, specific, great goals. But in order to achieve the goals, it's better to focus on the habit instead of the goal because the habit will lead you down that path. So why this relates to what you're saying is because that kind of triggered that in my head of, you know what? Trust the process. Go with the habit that you've created of swiping, working with a matchmaker, going and meeting women in person. Focus on that. Let it be part of your life. And then do the other things in your life that in theory will be making you happy if you're making the right decisions. And let all the processes just work themselves out. So trust the process and more specifically, trust the habits so you don't get so stressed out. And so, yeah, like you said, you're not bringing that energy to that date of like, oh, this is the 15th date this month or this quarter. And here we go again. 
probably another dud. Wait, can we just elaborate? I had a girlfriend call me and she told me about this date that she went on and how the guy brought in the bad energy and told her about some of the bad dates he's gone on. He's like, he kind of vented to her. And I was thinking to myself, first off, give him my number because he needs a dating coach. (laughs) Um, But secondly, I think if anyone's listening to this right now, just remember that if you're not in the right mindset to go on a date, cancel. Don't do it to yourself because it's a waste of your time and hers. If you know yourself, you know you can shift out of that bad mood or whatever that is, that frustration, then do that. Whether that's meditation, breath work, call a friend that always cheers you up. You know, we all have that friend that just has such great energy that just like the hype man, right? We all have that person. Then maybe call them, but bring that good energy into that date and do not, whatever you do, do not discuss any previous dates or how bad your dating experience was. That one-on-one date that you have with that girl is not a place for you to vent (laughs) about any of the bad dates. I agree. And also it could come off like you might be the bad person. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're telling me about all the seven bad dates you've been on. Maybe you're the person who's sucky here. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You never know how it's going to be interpreted. Yeah. You just never know. We're almost at time, but I want to ask you to rewind a bit. What are your non-negotiables? My non-negotiables are... Because you're single right now. Do you want to get married mm-hmm. and have kids? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for marriage and kids. Mm-hmm. And you're 29. Yes. And what are your non-negotiables? Someone who doesn't drink a ton. I think alcohol is a really tricky thing. Someone who doesn't drink a ton. Someone who's also into health, fitness, lifestyle. Someone who's extremely ambitious. And I'd say the fourth one would be a great sense of humor. I love to banter and I love to laugh. I really need that in a relationship. If someone can't banter, especially on a first date, if they can't banter back and forth, especially when something funny happens with the waiter and you just can't, you can't even get there with me, then it probably won't work long-term. Okay. Okay. Got it. I like it. What's the drink one? How many drinks, like, how do you know if they're drinking a lot or not? Like how many drinks do they have to have per week or per night? That's a tricky one. It's hard to figure out because you don't want to be too forward and say like, oh, how often do you drink, right? So you just kind of have to observe them as well. If the date's only two hours and they've had four glasses of red wine, that's too much for me. Yeah. Like if you need to consume that much alcohol to calm yourself down or to have a good time, then it's probably not the right fit for me because I'm not a big drinker. I love to celebrate, but not a big drinker. When's the last time you were blacked out drunk? I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Blackout like how drug. long? When, blackout trip, when was the last time you got blackout drunk? Blackout where I didn't remember? Yeah. I'm happy to say college. Same. Okay, if we had to go that far, yeah, college. college. Freshman year, college. So that was what? Seven years ago for you. That was about, oh, fuck, 18 years ago for me. <laughs> oh, my God, that's crazy to say that. Yeah, blackout drunk <laughs> was college. And I say this to people and it blows their mind. I've only vomited from alcohol since I was, so I did it a lot in college. I mean, I was probably puking at least once a month alcohol in college because you just drink so much. You're so unhealthy. I was so unhealthy in college. It was terrible. So I've only puked maybe like once or twice since college from alcohol. Mm. I, I can't really tell. Some, even that sounds kind of, kind of lame. 
<laughs> like that even that seems that seems like kind of a lot to me but You're like all right heather cut this part out <laughs> yeah right um but yeah i don't know how many times have you puked since college from alcohol zero yeah zero. I, guess, I guess you would say that that's yeah. not we're in the very low most people do not have those numbers because really? you're early oh yeah your early 20s is like you rage from My 22 goodness. to 26 male or female you're raging because you're still you kind know, of like getting out of college but you know what i will say i have found that because of pandemic a lot of people decided i don't need to constantly go out and drink and part well remember i live in new york i live in manhattan so a lot of people in manhattan the lifestyle you get consumed and you want to go out five nights a week you work hard you play hard that's kind of the energy in manhattan but i think after the pandemic a lot of people said you know i don't need to do this i can have two nights of going out per week and be completely satisfied and fulfilled. Yeah. So no, that's, that's great. more my vibe. Mm -hmm. That's great. I didn't drink like really any alcohol from ages from about 24 to oh, maybe even, yeah, 24 to 30. I probably had maybe like 30 drinks total in like six or seven years. I just wasn't focused on that. First of all, I learned how to meet women without alcohol. And then that was like, oh, well, I don't even need alcohol anymore. Like, what's the point? It's not even fun. It just makes me more sloppy. And then I was just so focused on trip advice, building trip advice that I didn't drink any, I just wasn't drinking. It'd be like a couple times a year, I would have a bunch of drinks, like at some celebration or whatever. Yeah, like a New Year's or birthdays. Yeah, or something or some trip, a trip or vacation. And then after 30, I started drinking more. Well, anything is more from zero, right? So I, I started drinking more. But I just started really getting into like alcoholic beverages that I really enjoyed. So it wasn't to like get wasted. It was like, oh, I really like learned about, oh, I love an old fashioned. I love the taste of that. Oh, I'm, I got really into scotch and I love different types of scotches and got really into wine. Like, oh, wow, all these different types of wines. I just never was introduced to like drinking, like, you know, when you're in college, just like, oh, cheap and high alcohol content. It wasn't about flavor, really. I discovered that later in my life. So now, I really enjoy having a cocktail or a glass of wine that is just really good. I don't know how we got on this topic, but, but anyway. <laughs> We're talking about my non-negotiables and how yeah, not negotiable. drinks heavily. And That's then we right. just, we went on a tangent. <laughs> well, it's fun. We're getting to know Trip. We're getting to know Talia. Talia, thanks for, for being here. It's a great conversation. I rarely even feel such a flow with many people. That's why we had you on again and do this. So I'm glad that we did it. And if guys, you want to reach out to her, Talia, where can they find you to work with you if they want to use a matchmaker and get set up? So they can just find me on Instagram. Yeah, if you could put that in the link below yep, or I'll something. Yeah, I'll put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, for sure. First name, last name, that's my handle. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes, Talia. You're awesome. Thanks again. I have a feeling that next year we'll probably do a round three. <laughs> Thanks for having me.